Hello and welcome to the Caregiver Stories podcast. This is where we discuss all things dementia, as well as where caregivers share their stories. My name is Kimberly Scott. My mission and hope is to educate and build awareness about dementia, plus possibly break this dementia cycle by having these tough conversations and sharing these stories. In 2013, my mom was diagnosed with dementia at the age of 65. And if my mom and I had had this tough conversation about the what if something happens and she could no longer take care of herself, I feel like I would not have been as lost as I was. My hope is that this podcast lets other caregivers know that they're not alone. It educates those new to dementia and gets people talking and having a tough conversation before a diagnosis so they don't go through what I did when my mom was diagnosed with dementia. If you want to share your story and your knowledge and be a guest on the podcast, please email me at Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y at marketingdoer.com or just go visit thatkimberly.com forward slash combo to sign up to be interviewed. You can also choose to listen to whichever platform you'd like to listen to the podcast on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and Amazon's Alexa while you're on the website. So now that I got that out of the way, I'd like to introduce my guest today, my personal friend who I have known for quite a long time, Denise Zinzer. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Denise. I really appreciate you for joining us and for sharing your story with the listeners. Thank you. So, Denise, just, you know, kind of talk a little bit about your experience with your grandmother, like when she was diagnosed, you know, how you guys discovered and then whatever you can share about her after she passed and everything that you went through in that whole process. Sure, sure. Okay, so... My grandmother, she has three children and then myself. So she selected me prior to getting sick, she selected me as her caretaker. She just always had the confidence in me that I would make sure that she was taken care of to the best of my ability. Yeah. And so she lived in, across the street from my uncle in a little small town in Texas and started slowly becoming a different person. She would say random things. She would act in random manners. I mean, for an example, she said my uncle was breaking into her house and he wasn't, and he was mm-hmm. coming in and taking, she's like, I have a $2 bill in my address book. And he took that and just really odd things that she would never do before. Mm-hmm. And then slowly she started having a bad relationship with her children, which was really unlike her. And my sister and I were always there for her. She adored us 100% and was constantly okay with us. Yeah. And then she did the most bizarre thing. She never liked to drive, but she got in her car and drove all the way to North Dakota where she grew up mm-hmm. and moved in with her high school boyfriend. Wow. That right there should have been the biggest sign of our life that <laughs> something is not right. <laughs> yeah. So she slowly like basically pushed her children away and with different stories or different actions that she did that isolated herself from them, correct? And then- Yes, correct. Basically. Yes, correct. Yes. And so, you know, they could just say one thing to her and she'd get upset with them and just shut them out. Wow. And I mean, they didn't know what to do. They were just like, she's a crazy old lady. Literally, that is what everyone would say is she's a crazy old lady. 
So everybody just assumed it was her age and that she was getting older. And at this time, she was approximately 73. Okay. Well, her and the boyfriend had a fallen out. She just drives back one day, eventually going back to him. And at that moment, I get a phone call from the fire department that my grandmother has locked herself in her apartment and is trying to take too many pills to get his attention and possibly was about to overdose. This is while she was in North Dakota still. This is all still in North Dakota. So she would do the come back and forth thing. So my mom, even though they were on the outs, she drove down there, picked her up. We put her on a plane, flew her here. She lived with me for about three months. And even then I didn't realize the crazy stuff that she was doing and that there was Mm -hmm. something wrong. So she was ready to get out. We go to assisted living, you know, basically it's the 55 and older communities and took her to a psychologist because at this time we think she's trying to kill herself Mm -hmm. and turns out that's when we found out that he said she was at the early stages of dementia wow so at that time he prescribes her a patch he says this will prolong it and she still when he would ask questions she knew like who the president was who the president was you know 15 years back where I'm sitting there going I don't even know who the president was 15 years ago so I'm impressed not thinking anything of what she's saying And then he brings up the dementia. Well, Mm. she would create sicknesses. I guess that was part of the illness. And she thought the patches weren't working for her. So she quit taking the patches. And within three months of her living in the assisted living, 55 or older community, she then does the thing and takes more pills once again. Mm. And we call, we went and checked on her one day. She wasn't calling us back. We didn't hear from her. And it turned out she had called the ambulance on her own and would not let them reach out to us. So I can't even remember how we figured out she was in the hospital. I don't know if it was her neighbor or who, because some of that is still kind of, you know, how you're in it and you're just in it and you just get what's happened. So we get to the hospital and she is like mad as a hornet and just, I'll never forget. She grabbed her purse. She's like, you stay away. You're not taking my money. And Mm. I'm like, grandma, I'm not here for your money. We're here to to get you well. Something is wrong with you. Well, because the way that the state works, they sent her to a psychiatric facility where she's required to be there for three days. Mm. So she was living in the assistant care, but it wasn't assisted care. It was more of like 55 and older. So that's why she could tell the ambulance not to call you. Right. I guess so. Yes, I guess so. And so they still were really good about, they kind of checked on them. And, you know, if if something seemed odd, they would call us. But ultimately, I guess she had the right as the adult, you know, to be able to make that decision. So with dementia, we learned that anything traumatic that happens in your life Mm -hmm. just escalates the illness. Mm -hmm. So we learned that her going into that psychiatric facility for those three days was probably one of the worst things that could absolutely happen. Y'all didn't know that though, but you guys, at this time we did not. Yeah. Okay. Right. We had no idea. This time we're just still like, what is wrong with her? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I had just had a baby, not even, you know, two months old. So I could not bring her home. My husband's like, there's no way we can take care of her. Apparently while she was there, she was having issues with cleaning herself and things like that. So Mm -hmm. as I'm dealing with her at that moment, my husband then finds a full on memory care facility, not too far from our house. Mm -hmm. And they enlightened him with so much knowledge that he calls me and he's like, you have to bring her here. And I had no idea what to do because I am supposed to be responsible for this woman. And I'm supposed to just drop her off at some place I don't even know about. And it was heartbreaking. Yeah. 
So, okay, hold on one second. So your grandmother designated you to be her primary caregiver and basically the executor, the person that makes decisions for it, but didn't have a discussion with you about like, hey, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. Correct. All I knew is I'm here, I'm taking care of your finances and I'm taking care of you as a person. And all I knew is that I am not supposed to relieve her in the event that she is in a moment of, do I resuscitate or not? All I knew is you do not resuscitate me. And here's my funeral information and my plot and all that. That's all I had. (laughs) And we had no family members who had even had dementia or any sort of Alzheimer's or anything like that. So we knew nothing Mm -hmm. and did not think, I guess, as you are growing up, you don't think anything's ever going to happen to you. And in hindsight, we all need to think, what if, when it comes to that part in your life with your family, for sure. Because in hindsight, if I had gone back and taken her to get help sooner, she probably could have lived a few more years past. She passed away basically three days after her 75th birthday. Oh, wow. So it was, it was like, oh, it was just heartbreaking. But so once we took her to the facility, they got her familiar with everything. And I felt a little bit better bawling my head off because I'm about to leave my grandmother at a facility. Mm -hmm. And all I know is there has to be a higher power and a God because I was able to leave there. And I felt like when I got home that I did truly leave her in good hands, even though I was a basket case about it. I was like, okay, these people know. And they were so wonderful in the way they explained stuff and everything they explained to me. It gave you Ultimately it did. And and I couldn't believe how I would go, oh my God, she does that. Oh my gosh, she does that. Oh, so they were educating you. They were giving you the insight on the whys and what was going on as it related to her actions. Yes, yes. It was crazy. I mean, I am still speechless to this Mm -hmm. day at how much information I received in probably a 30-minute, 45-minute table conversation with four specialists in this field. So she unfortunately got worse and worse over a very short time, and it was not even a full three months and got the phone call that she had Mm -hmm. passed away. I honestly never believed that it would have happened that quick. I knew that it was probably something that was going to happen because she also, with dementia, got diagnosed with um, depression. And so I guess the two in some way kind of go hand in hand at some point. And so for her, her depression caused her dementia to act out even more. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, now... I am here to deal with a funeral. I don't know where to start. I don't even know what you do when you have, and this may sound crazy to some, but when I got the phone call, I'm like, well, what do I do next? I had no idea. And that's when they're like, we'll call the coroner. We'll call the the funeral home. We'll get that process started. And I go back to, had I not had these women, I still would be sitting there scratching my head going, I'm a granddaughter who's usually not the one who takes care of, you know, a grandmother, it's usually her children. And so this was the first time I learned so much about it, but got the funeral arrangements set. Luckily she did have her plot for the cemetery. So I had that much done, but little did I know that just because you have, for example, a plot, I didn't know that you still pay to dig the hole. (laughs) Really? I didn't know there was extra costs associated with all this. Interesting. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I don't know if if normally that's how it happens or if she had bought this for so long ago. However, I'm now like, okay. So I did write a lot of checks for things that I was not aware of. 
And so that was one that I don't know if that's part of it or not, that I would recommend that people find out prior to, you know, a loved one passing away, how much is covered in your plot mm -hmm. and for the funeral costs, because our funeral was very small, very basic at a funeral home. We mm -hmm. had a small reception at the funeral home, but it still was a $10,000 funeral. Yeah. yeah. And using the basics. So yeah. that, that was my, my grandfather's and his mm -hmm. was prepaid for. And yes, it was still on the, on the low end, $10,000. I don't know mm -hmm. the exact cost, but I know that it was more than 10,000, but yeah. So, right. That's exactly how hers was. Hers covered a little bit, but not as much as the 10,000, really nothing at all. And a lot of people can't afford just here's you 10,000 because you're not yeah. doing anything without that 10,000 paid. So as that happened, we get her buried. I get home and now I have to deal with paying off her credit cards. I've got yeah, to, she was getting, I know. Yeah. Wrap it up. For example, she was on my grandfather's retirement plan. Uh -huh. So she got his retirement checks and I literally, in the middle of the day, I'm like, wait a minute, what do I do? What's going to happen if I keep getting checks? I can't just deposit them. Yeah. So like, what do I do? I'm not going to be responsible for this extra money. So I call and I bet I spent two weeks just calling every single person that I know that, you know, like, for example, I had to call her attorney just to say, hey, I just want to let you know my grandmother's passed away. I called the place where she was getting the checks and had to explain the situation. I had to send them a death certificate. So all these different places require death certificates. And I didn't know that you only got one death certificate. So you have to pay for extra. You have so to, wow, you have to order something. <laughs> yeah. So you have to get extra. So everybody shows yeah. proof because they want an original. And wow. so, so there's another cost. There's another thing that, you know, who would have known? And so like with her, for example, the retirement check, I ended up, she had just recently gotten one and they prorate that. And I ended up having to send a check back. And the difference to the day that she had passed away mm. and her credit cards, I had to do the final payment. Wait, her retirement check, you couldn't use to pay for like for her funeral costs. Like if that was issued to her, I only was allowed to use. So if she passed away on August 23rd, mm -hmm. the check that she had received covered all of August. And so that I had to give back from the 24th to the 31st of August. Wow. Mm -hmm. that's, so it's like, there's no leniency or anything like that is if she passed away on the 23rd, you're going to pay us back. And mm -hmm. I had to write a check back and send a death certificate. And then one thing I did not know, and my husband takes care of our taxes, obviously, and his tax guy, he just happened to make a comment about my grandmother passing away. And he said, you realize that she has to have taxes done. And he's oh. like, wait a minute, she's passed away. I mean, she was retired. You know, she wasn't paying anything out. She was in an apartment. And mm -hmm. he goes, no, you have to do a final tax return. Tax wow. So luckily he did it for us, which was pretty simple and easy. Yeah. But I don't know what would happen if you didn't do that. Yeah. So if your CPA had not mentioned about filing a final tax return for your grandmother, you wouldn't have done that. And who knows what would have occurred. Correct. So had she ended up owing money, I would have ended up being responsible for that. I don't know how many years later, but that would have ended up being something that would have come back on me. Mm -hmm. So luckily we didn't have to worry about that, but it literally seemed like two weeks that I would just sit down on the floor and just pick up everything and call and just let them know. Like I called to let all the credit card people know that, you know, what had happened. Were you were held responsible did, for any of those credit cards? Honestly, I wasn't sure if I was or wasn't, but I was so nervous that I was on her bank account and all her accounts 
mm-hmm. because those things we did talk about prior to her getting sick is like, what happens if I ever did something did happen to me? Mm-hmm. Then I always was on her account so I could cover everything. And so at that time, I didn't know, but I was not going to take any chances. And then something else that had happened was she had an IRA. Mm-hmm. And before she passed away, I was able to have her sign a piece of paper that stated that I was her caretaker and all that. So that helped me streamline getting her IRA out of her name and mm-hmm. dealing with that. So that, from what I understand, could have been a really big debacle if, if we had not taken care of her IRA in advance, like we did. Yes. Like any kind of a financial IRA, bank account, life insurance, anything like having to do with those items you were privy to and you were put as a like a co-signer or you were added to at the policy whatever it is and that really helped yes yes and that and you're right it was a co-signer and then also on other forms I was her beneficiary okay and so that did help and then one thing I did learn that I never had the clue that this is how it works any type of financial like let's say your bank account Whoever your pay upon death is, I think how they word it, mm-hmm. or your beneficiary, that supersedes anything that you put in a will. So ah. your will has no bearing whatsoever when it comes to whatever is on your financial institution's paperwork. So mm-hmm. always know that a will never supersedes anything. Wow. No matter yeah, what? From my understanding, no matter what, on any type of financial document that has either beneficiary or a pay on death listed. If that does not match up with a will, that supersedes anything that is stated on the will. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know. I That one blew me away. So I yeah. thought a will always superseded anything, but that's not the case. <laughs> well, I'll no. make sure. I know my dad, I'm the person that's on his bank statements pay upon death, but my mother, I do not know that. So I'll definitely have to go and look and make sure that my own is set up properly as well so that everything is lined out correctly. Right, right, exactly. Yes, because from what I have also learned, like her children had one of them still been on a piece of paper or of some sort at the bank and, mm-hmm. and not on the other, that could have caused a bunch of issues, put it in probate, then it would have been fought over and it could have been just dragged out for eternity. So that is something, you know, for example, her burial costs, mm-hmm. she failed to change any of that. Mm. And so part of her life insurance that came along with I don't know exactly what it's called but so she had like a burial plot and then a life insurance that technically that would have gone towards her funeral but you didn't Mm -hmm. have to have it go towards her funeral it was still listed in her three children's names and unfortunately none of them chose to give that back to go with her funeral expenses because they were so upset with her and how she'd been treating them Wow. So yes, unfortunately there was so much hatred and animosity that if I would even call them and say, please just remember she's sick. You've got to remember this This is your mom. Yeah. And unfortunately for them, it was too far. Yeah. Into the heart stage. Yeah. Yes. 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 And so I just was like, don't have any regrets because you're never getting her back. Yeah. So, and that's hard. Wow. That's a, 
that's a lot for a granddaughter. Well, really, I'd say anybody. I've heard so many different stories since I've started this journey. You're the first granddaughter I've heard of, all the way from just, you know, mother-daughter, you know, husband-wife. I think it doesn't matter who it is. It's always tough. It's even more tough when you're doing it all on your own and figuring it out as you go. So with that, I would definitely like to give you a big applaud and kudos for figuring it out and sticking to your promise to your grandmother to doing the right thing for her, the best that you could do. So thank you. Great thank job you. to you, Denise. Yes. I know it thank was hard. You. It was awful. Awful. Yeah, awful. <laughs> what advice would you give someone else who thinks that their family member could possibly have dementia or some form? What I just learned, dementia is a symptom of all these other diseases Alzheimer's being the largest one out there, what tip or advice would you give others to look at if they think their loved one has dementia? I would for sure get an appointment with a psychologist and start there. Okay. And they do like this different testing that mm -hmm. helps them determine if there is something there or not. Mm -hmm. And I would start there and get a professional opinion. If they're acting irrational, just saying, oh, it's just stress or, oh, they're just crazy. Actually really okay. go get a diagnose, get them tested. Yes. And I say that because this probably went on with my grandmother for over five years. And had we taken care of it before, it would not have gone on that long, probably. So as much as they probably will kick and scream, not wanting to go, mm -hmm. I think it's something that's needed. Yeah. That would be where I would start. And then what, what about planning for someone like you as the granddaughter, your grandmother had a few conversations with you, not, you know, a plethora, but like, for example, you and your husband have two kids. Where will you start when you start going into this? What if you can no longer take care of yourself? Where would you tell somebody to start along those lines? I would say start getting your finances your will, if you want to have trust, any of that financial aspect mm -hmm. of it covered so that you know, especially as me being an older parent to younger kids, and if something happened to me, they're not going to be able to take care of themselves financially, or they'll probably be moving in with somebody to live, you know, be taken care of by, you know, a family member. So they know that our money is taken care of for them and that that person taking care of them isn't going to always have that financial responsibility. So I start financially making sure all of your finances are in order. Mm -hmm. And from there, if you're capable of affording the insurance for assisted living, I would definitely get that started so that no matter what, you know, you're taken care of because those facilities are so expensive. I know we mm -hmm. started each month, it started at 5,000 a month. And mm -hmm. then each time she needed something different or she you know, couldn't bathe herself that added. It was like, everything was all a cart. Oh, wow. And so that came out of, you know, her finances and then mm -hmm. was going to lead into mine. And mm -hmm. when we saw the facilities at the state or when we heard more so than saw what you go to when you go and live in the state mm -hmm. facilities, it did not sound like anything that would have been conducive yeah, for someone you're... to live in. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. why a lot of people take in their family members and there are a lot of caregivers that go unpaid because their loved ones, one, they can't afford a private care and, or they don't want to send their loved ones to a state because of right. the conditions or may, they may not have good facilities in their area. So. Right. Right. Agree. 
it would so uh, it would be hard to have them live with you i could see where a lot of people do have to give up a job and their lifestyle yeah to be able to take care of that loved one yeah and then you have that do you take care of them the right way are you doing the right thing is you know there's just so many what ifs and how mm -hmm. to do it and so I would definitely, if you can't afford it, give something up to where you can afford yeah. to be able to have that insurance because it is your life. Yeah. And have a conversation with the person, you know, like, I don't think there's a perfect plan for anyone, but if your grandmother hadn't told you X, Y, and Z, you wouldn't have known, you know, my mom and I didn't have this conversation. I figured it out as I went when she was diagnosed and it was kind of like a treasure hunt. <laughs> you never know what oh, you're going to find. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I tell people all the time, start having those conversations now and, you know, create, even if it's just an outline plan or checklist so that you know that you have most of it taken care of or that your loved one knows where to go. Right. Right. When, exactly. If and when that happens. Right. I know my husband and I have had to go to our family members and we, you know, like our will is more geared towards here's this is the person who's going to take our kids this is the person yeah. who you know we had to look at things in such a different light because mm -hmm. they are so young and so then you know then we have to go and talk to those people and say this is what we would want this is what we can you handle this if you can't then we're going to have somebody else and so yeah. that just brought up a whole nother you know hurtful thing with people and they're like but what about me you know and yeah. we're like we're leaving our children with somebody that has to take care of them the way we would so there's so many conversations to be had with family yeah. and feelings aside, everybody has to understand that it's what your wishes person yeah. wishes. Yes. It's nothing personal or anything. So, which is hard to do. Very hard to do. Absolutely. So what about this? What if you or your husband, have you had the conversation about what if you live and you guys, you can't physically take care of yourself or vice versa. Do you guys have that plan? You know, what you would want, what would happen then with, with your children and yourselves because you'd still be alive. You know, believe it or not, we have not had that conversation. And I think that too is one of those things where you think, well, what's the likeliness of something happen like that? You know, you don't, mm -hmm. you don't think that through, which is a very good question to ask. Yeah. And no, we have not had that conversation. That one. Because <laughs> you're still yeah. alive. You just, you can't take care of your kids anymore and you can't take care of yourselves. So now what? Right. No, that's a very good question. Yeah. Let me take notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I got to take notes now. <laughs> I just, I, you know, definitely recognize that a plan has to be in place. It doesn't matter whether they die or they live. And this is more around living because, you know, it's just been the past, I'd say six, seven months that I realized that dementia is, is a symptom of all these other diseases. So you could have a heart attack, you could have a stroke, you could be an alcoholic, Louis body's dementia, Alzheimer's is the most recognized, but what if one day, you know, your husband, heaven forbid, you know, something happens that fashion, I'm not going to put that out there. And now, you know, as a husband and wife, you guys take care of each other, but now it's just you. And now you have your husband and your two children. Now what, you know, or if it's reverse him, you know, he's the one that has to take care of you and your two children. Now what? Right. Right. Yeah. Luckily we have, we've only talked through like something happened to me and it was just him and vice versa. Yeah. So we are covered with that. That's to when the you degree. We also are each other's, you know, caretaker yeah. and I am only his caretaker yeah. <laughs> and we have all that. So we do, we only have to the extent of what happens to our children. If something happens to both of us, 
Yeah. And then what we are going to do, you know, like something happens to him. And yeah. so luckily, you know, we have life insurance and all that stuff. Yeah. And so we just always sit there and pray and say, hopefully it won't happen. But we never yes. know. Each yeah. day is a gift. I truly Absolutely. believe that. Absolutely. And it is. And I really appreciate you sharing your story because when you shared your story with me, that was a gift in knowledge for me when I was going through it with my mom, just certain things to think about, certain things to consider and, you know, to do more research on or to go back and be like, oh, well, that's why this is occurring. And it also helped me to know that, you know, I wasn't the only person out there going through such a thing. And I really appreciate you so much for, you know, sharing the story with me offline and now on this podcast, because I know that someone will hear it and learn and get educated from it. So, well, thank you for asking me and having me. I Um, really appreciate it. Like you said, you think you're always alone, but in reality, so many people have had to deal with this. Mm -hmm. And if you could get the information and the knowledge, then it helps you move forward. So I often wonder, I'm like, why can't there be a booklet? or a checklist that you get at a certain time in your life where, you know, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to ask this question. It's like, almost like a little guy, a life manual as we get older. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, there are a lot of things on the internet so much that it's overwhelming. So you don't really know where to start. I feel like you having conversations with your husband And you all are on a good path because you've already started thinking along the lines of contacting, asking family members about, you know, the what if you two are not around and where your kids go. But now this will hopefully start the conversation, the what if one of you becomes the caregiver for all three of you, you know, and what you do then, you know, and then eventually when your kids become 18 and having that conversation with them when they get old enough where you can share with them a little insight on, you know, what happened with you and your grandmother and prepare them, not scare them, but just prepare them with, hey, these are the things you should think about if this ever happens, because we need to start doing that. Millions of people that are caregivers go unpaid because there was not a plan in place and the number for people with dementia or Alzheimer's, depending on whether it's in the U.S. or all over the world, it's still five to six million plus, you know, just in the U.S. So I just want people to start having conversations around it because yes, it's not. Right. I know with, with my situation, a good friend of mine, she was a single mom, remarried. She only has her one daughter. Mm-hmm. And she said, I never in my life thought about what you've gone through and it shows and then my daughter is going to have to do it all by herself she has mm-hmm. no one else and so you know just her hearing what I dealt with she too was like I really got to think about that and mm-hmm. she now has stuff in place yeah. and so it is it's unfortunately it takes someone's situation for you to learn from but if you're learning from it then that's a huge step absolutely absolutely 100 mm-hmm. so yeah, percent I think what you're doing is awesome Thank you. So, so awesome to get the word out. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you sharing. And again, subscribe to the podcast, search Kimberly D. Scott. You can listen on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and now Amazon Alexa. I am excited that this is now my third interview and that there are more to come. So stay tuned. You can keep up with me on Facebook, Insta, Twitter and LinkedIn. Until next week, remember sharing is caring. So 
have that conversation with your family member about dementia and what your plan will be. Thanks, Denise. Thank you, Kimberly. Appreciate it.